1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and the expert on all matters real estate is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Hello, Asif. Hi, Tina. Hello to all the listeners out there. We're heading into fall, Asif, and uh, traditionally, what does that mean for the real estate market? You know, fall fall's an interesting time for the real estate market, and more so this year, Tina, than in previous years. Fall has always traditionally, well, traditionally been a time when sellers can maximize what they're getting for their property because there's less competition, and uh, you know you've kind of gone through the the spring summer rush and and things have started to calm down. You're only you're not going to get a lot of tire kickers out there looking at your home. You're going to get people that are pretty serious. So you know if they have to put a jacket on or you know a pair of boots on to come see your house, you know that they're they're not just out to uh, you know for a Sunday stroll. And uh, it's always been very active in the fall. This fall, more so than previous falls we're going to have a lot of activity and that's because with all the announcements and everything that happened yeah we just heard that home sales dropped yeah so you know our spring and summer were very uh you know atypical so they they weren't typical spring summer selling seasons and all of the the demand is is now it's it's pent up demand nobody was able to you know purchase their properties or sell their properties over the spring and the summer because the general public was in a holding pattern and all the announcements, the interest rate hike, it had everyone on hold. And now you're starting to see people say, okay, well, the sky didn't fall, so I should get back out there and purchase. So over the last three or four weeks, you've started to see activity, you know, start, uh, I mean, activity has really started to pick up. And so you're starting to see the demand. Um, is there supply? Are there actual home, homes on the market? There, there is. And, you know, as you saw over the spring and summer months, supply just kept increasing because the demand to purchase, although demand was there, but people were sitting on the fence because they were waiting for something to happen. Nothing happened. So now you're starting to see the demand eat up some of the supply. So listings are starting to come down now because sales are starting to increase. Sure, we have a bit of a deficit from last year in terms of percentage uh, of sales, but you're going to start to see that come down as well. And, you know, even if nothing else happens, this will end up being our second busiest year in the history of the Toronto Real Estate Board, which isn't too bad. So what are you seeing in terms of prices? Have they started to soften a bit? What you're seeing and, and what you're hearing in the market about prices softening is we're not getting the multiple offers anymore mm. uh, because you know people were sitting on the fence, because they were waiting for prices to fall. Prices didn't fall. The average price still increased 5%, 6%, 8% over the months. But what you're not getting right now is a crazy you know, 20, 30 offers on a property driving prices up, you know, 20% over asking or 40% over asking. And and that's why the general perception is that prices are softening, but the the true market value is not softening. The market value increases. So if I'm a seller, did I miss the boat? And if I'm a buyer, um, is this maybe a better time for me to try to get into the market? Well, as a buyer, this is a great time to get into the market because what you were faced with and there was a lot of frustration from buyers you know january to say april of 2017 because 
you could have had the best offer, but you wouldn't have got the house because someone, you know, outbid you or didn't have conditions. And, you know, you're, without conditions, you're putting yourself in a pretty precarious situation because you can't do a home inspection. And Wait a second. Are, are folks actually buying homes without uh, conditions or without inspection? Well, at that time, uh, they had to because you Gee. wouldn't be able to get the home if you had conditions. What we were doing with our clients was doing inspections before the offer date. So at least you're going in with peace of mind. But now if you don't get the house, you're out three or $400. So, you know, you could only do that so many times. If you're losing out on two or three deals, then, you know, how many times are you going to do a home inspection on a home? And people were saying, you know, I, I'll do two home inspections. But, you know, on the third one, I think I know what I'm looking for. And they would do it themselves. So they would walk through with a different set of eyes. And, and, and what do you think about that idea? I think it's a bad idea. So, yeah. you know, a home inspector is trained to look at certain things and evaluate certain things and compare it to other homes and, you know, take into consideration the age of the home. And, you know, that's what they get paid to do. They're professionals. What kind of home is um, is on the market right now in York Region? In York Region, we have a, a wide range of homes available. I mean, you've got townhouses, you've got condos, you've got luxury homes. Again, because spring and summer, the buyers just sat on a fence, we still have all of those homes plus, you know, the homes that are going to be coming up in the fall market. Now, again, over the last three weeks or so, we've started to see some movement in terms of houses selling. So that's obviously helped. Uh, the other thing that we had was a lot of these houses that sold January to March they didn't close because they didn't get appraised at what people paid for them. So you had a few of those listings hit the market again because people weren't able to close. So inventory-wise, it was probably, you know, the most inventory we've had in the spring-summer season uh, in the past 10 years. If you look at um, York Region, is there a really hot area right now? Markham's always hot. I mean, there's still there's wow. a lot of demand for Markham because of the schools. Uh, in terms of what's moving, uh, you know, Stovall doesn't have a lot of inventory right now. So, uh, you know, and, but Stovall typically doesn't have a lot of inventory on the market just because, you know, the size of it. Richmond Hill is very hot. Aurora's hot. Is there an area that it's just exploding right now in terms of growth? I would say Keswick. Keswick is very strong with the extension of, uh, you know, the 404 up there over the last year. Uh, Keswick seems to be, uh, you know, a place to be now. It, it's just made the commute easier to the city. And anytime you have highway extensions or new highways come in, it helps out a lot with property values too. Well, that makes sense. Okay, when we come back, we tackle the interest rate hike and what that means to buyers and sellers. Stay with us. More with Asif Khan and Remax Prime Properties when we come back. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. 
Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only real estate show right here on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Asif, many are suggesting that the Bank of Canada's recent interest rate hike is going to hurt most of us. It means the cost of money is going up. It's going to slow down the housing market, and that's bad news for the real estate industry and the construction industry. Perhaps our special guest could shed some light on this one. Thanks, Tina. Uh, we have Cindy Mason with the Mortgage Domain with us, and Cindy's going to talk about uh, some of the uh, misconceptions that are in the market about the interest rate hike and, and what that means for us. So, Cindy, how will the recent increase in prime lending rate affect a client's mortgage payment? Okay, so uh, first off, uh, the prime lending rate increasing um, will only affect those currently who are in a variable rate mortgage. So if you, you currently have a, a variable rate mortgage, um, you will find that your payment will, will start to increase. So the question will be, do you lock in or do you continue with a variable, a variable rate? Um, it really is an individual preference. It's based on your risk tolerance. So um, just to, to cover this off, if you're in a variable rate and you're getting nervous that, that your payments are going to go up too high, um, I would recommend you, you first call your lending institution where you have your mortgage, find out what the best locked-in rate would be, and then you can give your mortgage broker a call and um, they can help you through that decision. They're, they're going to assess your risk tolerance, that kind of thing. Um, typically, when you're in a variable rate mortgage, your rate is lower than what a fixed rate would be. So um, historically, you will have saved money over the long run if you were in a variable rate mortgage. Um, just based on these recent um, increases in the prime rate, a lot of people may, may be in a position where they might want to lock in. Um, so that, that's my recommendation on that. Um, if you are in a variable rate mortgage, I wouldn't panic too much right away. Um, based on a $300,000 mortgage right now and a 30-year amortization, your monthly payment will only increase, increase approximately $34 per month. Do you see this as a trend? Do you think that the rates are going to continue to go up? Um, well, from what I've been reading, um, the economy is is showing signs of strength. Consumer spending is up. Employment um, employment rates are up. Um, what I've been reading is that it could go up another 1% by the end of next year. Um, but they have gone up twice now um, very quickly. So I have a feeling that they may hold off for a bit now just to see the effects of of these two recent rate increases and um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's another rate increase but I, I think they may may wait a little bit on the next one. That's great Cindy and, and also you mentioned that it would be about $34 to carry a mortgage of about 300000 with the new rate. Now the stress test, can you tell us a little bit about that because how is that affecting affordability because aren't people qualifying at a higher rate so they shouldn't feel as, you know, as bad as, you know, if they were qualifying at a rate that was uh, very tight to their ratios? Exactly, yeah. So if you're in the market of, of getting a new mortgage, so you don't have any mortgage right now and you're wondering, should I buy, should I not, you know, am I going to be able to afford it? Um, the government has already kind of put that safeguard in place by introducing the stress test. So what that means is that, if your interest rate, even if you're choosing a five-year fix or a variable, say your interest rate is 3%, that's what your mortgage payment will be based on, but you're actually, the bank won't give you the money based on a payment off of the 3%. They're go, the, 
qualifying rate is actually 4.84%. So you're actually being qualified at that regardless of what, where the rates are. So the rates haven't gone up high enough um, to reach the 4.84. So there is a, a, a safeguard already put in place there. So when you go into the bank to qualify for your mortgage, it isn't going to be any different today than it was um, a couple of months ago. So what advice are you giving your clients? Um, well, with respect to, go, you mean to go fixed versus variable or to sort of hold, hold off on getting a mortgage? Yeah, like exactly. Are, if, I'm, if, if I'm, you know, on the fence and I'm able to get out of my variable, should I lock in? Is that what I would be doing or that's what you would be advising me to do if I was one of your clients? Well, again, it, it is a very individual preference. It's based on risk, risk tolerance. Um, I'm thinking right now, just because of everything, um, I think it's worth looking at what that rate would be and then comparing it, um, having a discussion with your mortgage broker, going through your personal situation. Um, it, it's definitely a good option at this point to at least look into what the bank's going to offer you in, in a locked-in rate. Are you seeing a trend? Are you saying what are people doing? What you know, the folks that you're talking to, what are they deciding to do? Are they sitting tight? Are they locking in? I would say most people are. If they're getting a new mortgage, they are choosing fixed rates just to um, feel comfortable that their payments are going to stay the same for the next five years. They don't have to worry about these rate increases uh, for five years. Um, the the ones who are taking variable are usually the ones that have historically always taken a variable and have. Oh, you know, overall, like if you, they don't look at the next five years, they look at the, the whole term of their, their mortgage and they've always saved money in a variable. So you're, you're always going to have a lower rate in a variable typically than you are in a locked in rate. It's just whether or not you're okay with monitoring the interest rates and, um, um, taking, taking the risk. There's a, there's a small amount of risk with the variable. So again, it's very, it's very personal. But I do see more people choosing uh, the fixed rates, for sure. I've also heard, Cindy, that with our dollar being so strong right now and our economy showing you know, strength, that uh, the government's really watching all of these factors. And, and in order to determine if they're going to have another rate hike, stay the same, or possibly even lower it a quarter point or so. So do you see, uh, you know... Suppose our economy starts to dwindle a bit. Do you see the rate dropping a quarter point, or do you see this as the new norm? Um, I think it's going to stay the way it is for for now. If if these two rate increases um, start to show too much of a slowdown in the economy, um, I could see them maybe lowering it again. And, but, and also, I was going to yeah. say we haven't really seen anyone back out of you know shopping for homes or listing their homes with this quarter point increase in terms of applications coming through to the mortgage domain have you guys seen a slowdown or, or any concern from people that are shopping for homes no not at all um, the the concern is no more today than it was when um, the stress test first came out that was the biggest um, hurdle for I think people to get their their heads around was qualifying what they were qualifying for a lot less than what they normally would based on on the interest rate that they would be paying. So that's already happened. So for right now, um, I think people are already used to it. Um, I didn't. I haven't really noticed a slowdown at all with new applications um, coming in. And I think with anything, it's always the first increase or the first change that causes the the little bit of a panic or a holding pattern. And I think because. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we just had the rate increase. I think this one didn't have as much of an impact as we'd anticipated two rate increases to have, maybe because it was so close together. What do you think on that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I agree. Like, I think people are just kind of are, are getting used to it now, and I think they're not really noticing. Uh, I think the people who are going to be who were going to lock in probably have already done so with the first with the first rate increase. The second one may just prompt them to uh, look at locking in maybe a little more seriously. The ones that didn't before, you'll probably see more people locking in. And just before we wrap things up here, Cindy, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember double digit interest rates. You don't mm-hmm. see us going anywhere near that again, do you? Um, well, not for for a very long time. The rates are still. Um, historically very, very low. They're not the lowest they've ever been, but if you look at where they were, like you said, that not long ago, it's they are still very low. Um, you know, I, I find my older clients will, if, if I mention, oh, the rate's, you know, 3%, they're like, wow, that's a really great rate. <laughs> and then I talk to first-time home buyers and um, I tell them 3%. They're like, oh, wow, isn't that, that's kind of high. But they've only seen the very low interest rates. So as they see them creep up, they're thinking, wow, the rates are getting so high, but um, they are still very low. They really are, and they really don't compare to um, what many of us uh, remember from the late 80s and early 90s. Thank you uh, for joining us, Cindy. Again, that was Cindy Mason with The Mortgage Domain. And when we come back, we check in on the market on the West Coast. Stay with us. More with Asif Khan and Remax Prime Properties when we come back. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. Welcome back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. I'm Station Manager Tina Cortez with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties, and our focus is real estate. Joining us now is Tony Joe, broker from Remax Camosun in Victoria, B.C. Tony, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tony, we have just uh, gone through a phase where we had a holding pattern with you know the new foreign buyer tax coming in and people kind of worried about the impact and you know we've been talking to a lot of uh, people in the industry about how BC went through a similar phase and you know they had about was it six to eight months of a, a slowdown and can you tell us a little bit about that and how it's affected the marketplace there? Yes, definitely. Well, um, for those of you who, who might remember the foreign buyer tax was implemented on August the 2nd last year and uh, the government, the uh, provincial government, basically gave nine days notice. So wow. uh, there were a lot of people scrambling at that time. It, it came basically out of nowhere. And uh, essentially what it did after the, the deadline occurred was it, it, it basically uh, seemed like the market slowed down. Uh, the reality is, though, of course, the numbers were going down already anyways. And I think what happened uh, is is very much like what you guys are seeing in the GTA right now, uh, a lot of buyers then took a position of let's wait and see because they didn't know how it was going to turn out. You know, fast forward uh, pretty well eight months later, the market was back up. And from a dollar perspective, uh, prices were as high as they ever had been. So, you know, the question that we always ask ourselves is what did that tax do? Because it certainly didn't um, make affordability happen as it was intended to do. 
And also, how did um, did you see any foreign investors or foreign buyers shy away from the BC market uh, during the course of the implementation of this tax? And and have they returned if they did? No. Well, you know, people paid the tax because for for many, especially the investor types. Uh, the tax is just a cost to do in business. And, and let's remember here, the 15% tax in British Columbia was not new. You know, there are about a dozen other jurisdictions globally that have similar tax structures as well. You think about places like Hong Kong, Sydney, um, you know, for a global investor, this is nothing new. So people did buy. And one of the questions that uh, people had of us, because I'm based out of Victoria, so I'm across the water from Vancouver, the big question was, would it drive foreign investors from Vancouver into other areas like ours or Kelowna or whatnot? And we didn't see that. And the reason why we didn't see that is because the the, the, the people who the foreign buyer tax was focused on were people that really were just looking to invest in Vancouver anyways. They weren't the Victoria buyer or the Kelowna, the Kelowna buyer. So we, we didn't see a big effect at all. And what is the average cost of a home in Victoria and Vancouver? Well, the the average price for a single family detached in Victoria is eight hundred and thirty thousand. Uh, and in Vancouver, um, <laughs> I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. I think it's somewhere in the area of one point six. Wow! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 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 you know, I mean, just like in the GTA as well. I mean, there are a lot of regions in Greater Vancouver. Um, there's a lot of movement outwards, people going towards the Fraser Valley. Uh, Abbotsford has been a very uh, hot spot. That's about an hour out of town. So, you know, we're, we're seeing, uh, as usual, the migration of people moving uh, out from the city core, right? Is there also new construction happening um, on the West Coast? Is there a boom in the condo market like there seems to be here in uh, in Toronto and the GTA? Yes, uh, there is the condo market. Um, so again, speaking of Vancouver, the detached uh, market, particularly the high-end uh, uh, detached, was what was most affected when that tax came in. But the uh, condo market has been very busy, probably not to the level of Toronto. Um, but it's just a reminder that there's been a shift in people's uh, desires to have a detached house towards uh, starting with a condo. So that is definitely how a lot of people are starting uh, in, in with their first real estate purchase. And it's very supply and demand driven, just like it is in, you know, if we look at New York and, and you see people buying in New Jersey or Philadelphia and commuting to, to New York, it's very similar as to what's happening in Vancouver with people going out to Abbotsford or even in Toronto with people coming to York Region because people will commute when it comes down to affordability and, and raising a family in a home versus a condo. We're going to see that just as you're seeing it out in BC. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, yeah. one thing that I'd like to bring up about this whole discussion about uh, the percentage of foreign buyers is, is a question often comes up, you know, um, as if we were, we were just talking about the fact that 5%, 7% of, uh, of the purchases seem to be foreign uh, buyers. The big question is, what percentage is the right percentage? Because we know as a country that we need um, uh, people moving here, you know, um, especially in our area here, we don't produce anything. Like we're, we're not a, um, 
we're not a uh, production industry, you know. Uh, Victoria specifically is tourism, and, um, government, and things like that. Um, we need more people moving to the region. So to close the door uh, is definitely not a right thing. But what is the right percentage? Is it 7%? Is it 20%? It's a, it's a good question, right? It's absolutely a good question. I'm not sure who has the answer to that one. It's true. Uh-huh. And, and what Ontario has done, Tony, is, is Ontario has implemented certain uh, exceptions. So if people are actually moving here to live here or going to school here or investing here in a business, they're exempt from that 15% tax. And I believe there's a two-year window for them to do so uh, in order to get the tax credited back. So, um, you know, interesting take on, on how the BC tax was implemented and changes that we've made. Has BC implemented anything like that? Do people get a credit? They, they, they have. So, you know, last year when the tax was implemented, it was a blanket tax. It, in, in fact, it was gruesome because it was retroactive. It affected a number of people who retroactive. had made uh, their sales months before. Wow, retroactive. It that was retroactive. Painful. So there were, there, were, there were people that literally had to come up with another $300,000 on a sale that they were not expecting. Oh my! How do you the, do that? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see any people the, the, walking away from deals with that? Yeah. Well, there were other unintended consequences too. So everyone tried to move up their sales uh, to beat the August second deadline, and what we had seen was sellers who all of a sudden got greedy because they said, "Well, hey, if you need to pay fifteen percent next week, uh, give me another hundred thousand, I'll be happy." <laughs> wow. wow. Right. And, and then there are stories of lawyers who are doing closings because, you know, August 2nd last year was BC Day long weekend, right? And lawyers were saying, okay, well, hey, you're making me do this extra work. My fee just went up another five grand. Good old lawyers. <laughs> that's great information. Thank you very much yeah. for joining us, Tony. That's uh, that's a great perspective from, from BC and, and hopefully makes a lot of sellers and buyers feel comfortable in the Ontario market. Thank you, Tony, for joining us. As if we have just a few minutes left to take a question from one of our listeners. We've been talking about investment properties, and Nella from Maple wants to know about condos as an investment. And, you know, if you drive anywhere in the region, you can't help but notice the explosion of vertical construction, a little land, lots of condos popping up everywhere. What do you think? You know, there's, uh, I mean, the region has really changed in terms of, how it saw condos and and recently you're right because of the availability of land and you know developers becoming smarter with their money you're seeing a lot of vertical construction you're seeing a lot of condos you know you have the the subway coming in at Jane and 7 which is it's going to transform that whole area you know the the city getting ready for or or the region getting ready for the subway to come up young eventually you're seeing a lot of development in Richmond Hill on Young Street Thornhill on Young Street so yeah we are seeing a huge amount of condos being constructed in and around the region is it a good investment I think it's a great investment. I mean, there's so much going on in in the region itself. You've got York University coming up at uh, Kennedy and 407 there. So that entire downtown Markham area is going to be booming. And, you know, you're going to have a lot of students purchasing condos or renting condos in the area. So, you know, if you're an investor and purchasing in there, that's a great opportunity for you to be renting out. And I guess if we're thinking about investing in a condo, that, you know, there are those added expenses that maybe we don't think about. Condo fees, um, a locker, parking, those kinds of expenses that just seem to pop up. 
and development charges, that's been a huge uh, conversation in the region. It's because development charges over the last 10 years have, you know, increased so much that it's, you could be paying thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars uh, if you're not careful. So, I, I mean, there's ways to, to lock those in as well. And, and that's what we look at when we're looking at the different projects is what's going to be your best move. Always good advice, Asif. We'll catch up again next week. That's our show for this week. If you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. You can connect with us on Twitter at 1059theregion, or you can call us at 416-335-1059, or email info at 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. This is 1059 The Region.